this is CougarCast. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Uh, welcome as we start to enter our 13th season of doing CougarCast previews for the BYU football season this year. Obviously a little bit crazier, but we start off against the Navy. Anchors my boys. I don't know what those words are. Anchors away. They're heading out to Annapolis, Maryland to go take on the mids. <laughs> the midshipmen. And uh, Ken Niamatololo. And uh, it'll be, I think this is going to be a really interesting test for the Cougars as they take on Navy. But first things first, let's just talk about our boys uh, representing Brigham Young University. Uh, the depth chart for BYU. A couple, couple news items here. The depth chart for BYU has been released. If you have not had a chance to kind of look that over, uh, nice article written on there on Vanquish the Foe about uh, what the depth chart, chart so showed. And so let's talk. Uh, here, here's what we're looking at. Quarterback, starting quarterback is going to be Zach Wilson. The second string not made obvious, it says Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall. So uh, there's no clear number two apparently on the depth chart. But Zach Wilson gets the start. Uh, again, according to the magic number rules, uh, the Cougar Cast magic number rules, uh, that's having a 130 uh, passer rating or better and an over a seven yards per attempt. I guess if you're over that, you get to keep going. Zach Wilson is just barely above those two marks, so he gets to keep his starting quarterback spot but keep an eye on it i do not believe that that is the most secure uh position uh, and I, I think actually what happens against navy becomes pretty huge and you can make some some big decisions based on the information of just that was single game uh running back no clear number one surprise surprise of course there isn't uh so lopini katoa or Tyler Algier, uh, Jackson McChesney, potentially, you, you could see, uh, Hinkley Rapati. I think um, we, we'll see. But the the official guy at the very top was Lopini Katoa, but it does have an or there with Tyler Algier. So we shall see. Katoa provides more options than I think you're going to get out of Tyler Algier. I think... Katoa, you know, obviously is is better at catching the football in the backfield. Um, not not a dynamic, <laughs> not a dynamic guy, uh, but you can handle the football. He, he's a workhorse guy. He doesn't you know put it on the ground too much, and, and he provides a little bit more receiving from the backfield. And you know, I don't really have much on on Lopini Katoa in terms of pass protect. Um, I think everybody was fine. Nobody like stood out as bad or good at it. So it means that, you know, it's fine. Uh, just like going through my quick memory bank there. Uh, fullback, when the Cougars do line up with a fullback, it looks like Mason Wake will be in there. The six foot one, 250 pound sophomore. Where's number 13? Who knows how often we'll be seeing him. The wide receivers on one side, you're going to have Gunnar Romney for his junior season. Wearing number 18. 
And then number two, Neil Pau, six foot four, 215 pound possession receiver. He is back. And, uh, and then it looks like probably going to be more in the slot. It'll be number five, Dax Milne. And <clears throat> I think Dax Milne is going to be real important this season. Uh, Zach Wilson has gone to him a lot. Uh, th- when it's been Zach Wilson, the ball's gone more to Dax Milne. When it's been like Baylor Romney, it's gone more to his brother, Gunnar Romney. I think Dax Milne is going to be, you know, more featured. And I do think that the one thing with Dax Milne, like I have said, I really trust him in traffic. And I, I trust him to go attack the ball and go get it. Um, I, I don't know enough about Neil Pau. I mean, like the only thing I remember of him is that like he he scored a touchdown in that terrible game against uh, against Portland State to open up the uh, four and eight Cougar season a couple years back. Okay, at tight end. uh, So this is the other piece of news. If you have not heard, I'm very very sorry, and I'm not kidding around here. Zach, uh, sorry, uh, Matt Bushman is injured and will not be playing this season. Uh, It's not available against Navy, and he is out. So we're back to our number one tight end then is going to be Isaac Rex. Isaac Rex is son of Byron Rex, 6'6", 247-pound player. I really like the tape on him. He'll be making his Cougar debut, redshirt freshman. Um, Like Isaac Rex... As a prospect, I really, uh, I really did. I was excited about him when he was brought in. I'm not surprised to see him listed as the he was the second on the depth chart. But with Matt Bushman getting injured, Isaac Rex is going to be in it. And I think you're going to see uh, the Cougars maybe stay away from a lot of um, tight end sets, which is interesting because within a week, you know, you've been getting your game plan together all summer. You've been kind of thinking about what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, you get with less than a week to go, you're, you're changing what that game plan looks like. So it's kind of interesting. And then on the, on the offensive line, left tackle Brady Christensen, no surprise there. Left guard Clark Barrington, center James Empty, James Empey, James Empey, sorry, calm down. Right guard Tristan Hodge and at right tackle Chandon Herring. Break Freeland uh, is the backup in that scenario. There were no oars, no, okay, it wasn't close. Those are your five guys up front. So that offense for BYU, you know, comes back. They were only okay. They were better uh, at passing the football. And like I said, I'm, I'm real curious to kind of see what happens uh, with, with the Cougars as they enter the season. The more they pass, the more likely they are to lose. The more they run, the more likely they are to win. That is the trend as it has been uh, with with our scenario with, with the BYU football team. And Jeff Grimes just has had that. And, I, you know, he it's been laid out there that he's more of a running guy. He likes to run more. Um, and it's been interesting because that has been the case and there hasn't really been like an awesome running back. But there's been, you know, it's it's all been by committee. So it'll be real interesting. But I'll tell you, the, the, the BYU offense against Navy in this debut game for the 2020 season, like, they don't have time to figure it out, okay? 
if you if you're going to beat Navy, you you have to go in, you have to score early, and you have to score often. Everybody knows this about playing Navy. They are not equipped to play from behind. So if you can put them behind the eight ball right away, it, you must help your defense in this game by scoring early and scoring often. Last year, I, I always talked about how the defense really needed to go out of their way to help the offense. In this game, the key matchup for the Cougars is how the Cougar defense handles Navy's triple option offense. Well, I'm telling you, if you want to make it a lot easier for the defense, put Navy down, put them behind, get them behind by three scores, get them behind by two scores even. And as the game goes on, they got to push a little bit more. And, and I'm telling you, it's going to be more difficult uh, for Navy. They're, they're not really built to play from behind. They're in a position to either play from in front or they can go point for point with people. But if you can put a little distance, uh, Navy really struggles in that scenario. Ken Niamatololo's offense is tremendous. It's incredible in all the different uh, accolades it's, it's racked up over his time and the amount of winning that he has done. But I do think that it is so critical for the first quarter of this football game we can't have any any figuring it out stuff. No false starts, no holdings, no you know offensive. I mean, they have got to play clean. They've got to get out of the gates quick, and uh, and they've got to put points on the board. They they got to be ready to rip and roar. Okay, they've traveled all the way across the country. They're gonna play in an empty stadium. They they just have to do it. They got to get Navy down. They got to get Navy behind. It's just really, really important. It's a talented team who does some a lot of things very well, and uh, and and the one thing that they don't do particularly well is have an offensive system that can help them come back um, in those scenarios. There, there, and the reason is is it's not that their offense can't score points. It's not that their offense. Uh, can't pass the football at all. They're just not in a position to to pass a lot. Okay, L last year just to kind of punctuate that that point. Last year, Navy completed 55 passes on the season. That's it. That, that's all they did. 55 passes for the entire season were completed. That that is in 13 games. 55 passes so they they are not a not equipped to do it it's you know it's like four and a half completions a game that's what they that's what they have interestingly enough i mean because they run the football so much like 95 percent of the time when they do throw it, it does it does really surprise people and they are pretty darn efficient uh when they do pass the football um They've been able to be pretty successful in those scenarios. And so I do think that the Cougars have to be real careful as it relates to handling and, and dealing with the, the, the passing prospects of, of what Navy does. Mostly it's just, look, don't fall asleep. Navy, you know, I, I just pulled it up. 
10 touchdowns last year, four interceptions. Like for an option team that doesn't throw it that much, that's a great touchdown to interception ratio. It's fantastic even, okay? And I think that that it is a, a difficult thing for people to handle. Look, Navy was seventh nationally last year in quarterback rating combined across the team. Okay, that's a one, they were 176.9 QB rating last year. Yards per attempt, 11.9 yards per attempt. That was second in the country. Okay, you take a look at kind of the combination of those two numbers, and it's like, it's like, you know, if they passed at that, I mean, because of the, the great work that they do running, when they do pass, it's as effective as what LSU did last year, passing the football. LSU last year passing football was 10.6 yards per attempt, okay? They obviously passed it way more, and it was a lot scarier to handle, okay? But the point is, is, is that, team they like they there is a knack that they have to to passing the football and on 55 completions 10 of them ended up being touchdowns that's an incredible incredible number and so i do think that you have to be really aware of of how to handle navy's offense and so byu's offense has to be key to help byu's defense in this game so score early score often and, and I just think that that's that's the biggest biggest key um is going to be first the first quarter of the game and the longer the long if BYU goes down <laughs> the the longer that it's just within a single score the more you allow Navy to kind of do exactly the sort of thing they want to do and again this is the whole thing with football. Football is you take a look at a bunch of teams and, and you take a look at the team across from you. You try to figure out what it is they do best and then you take it away. You take away different things. Well, you take away almost everything that they like to do <laughs> if you can put them down and get them behind. I, to me, it is it is the the single biggest key to beating navy especially in week 1 in this in this scenario jeff grimes and zach wilson they need to go out and they need to dominate okay they they've got to go out they've got to execute they've got to do their thing and they got to punch it in the end zone last year when they were in the red zone they really, really, really struggled. Zach Wilson was fantastic. I, you know, I've called him a 2020 quarterback. That is using Mike Lombardi. Um, that is using one of his phrases. That <clears throat> he seems to do pretty well between the 20s. But as soon as you get him in the red zone, you know, think, things get pretty bad. I covered the red zone numbers last week, so I won't go. I won't go into that further. But that's, that's how the Cougars were lined up. Now, a couple things since we're on this. A couple things that I just think it's worth noting for a second. I took a look at the advanced stats. I looked at what S&P Plus and FEI, what they had to say about the Navy defense. 
And the numbers like Navy's defense. Navy last year went 11-2. and They won a bowl game uh, against Kansas State. They had a really, really great season. And the numbers like what the defense was able to do. It had them as the 44th defense in the country, which is 22 spots higher than BYU's defense last year. A lot of times, Navy's defense becomes really disrespective because of what they do offensively being so unique, so so good, so effective. But, you know, Navy's defense is doing enough to keep games under control and, and make some stops. I, I really think that they're an exciting, more exciting group than they get credit for. In, in in particular, I really like their Mike linebacker. I really like Diego Fago. Um, I, I I went back and I actually went through and found three games from Navy last year. I, I watched that game, the bowl game uh, against Kansas State. I, I really like Diego Fago. I, I think he is a fantastic linebacker. He'll be wearing number 54 for the midshipmen. Uh, Diego Fago, he's a junior, six foot three, 240 pounds, had a hundred tackles last year, uh, five sacks last year, scored a defeat defensive touchdown uh, is good in coverage and, and really knows how to get in and, and make a move. He's, he's a guy who, who kind of waits, he plays spy and then his closing speed when he closes out on runs or is trying to get to the, the quarterback, he he's very good at this. Um, he's a player to kind of watch out for. Diego Fago may make life pretty terrible. <laughs> okay, pretty terrible for for Zach Wilson if, if he's not careful. Okay, um, and and then you know it's the same thing. Look, when you play any of the service academies, it's the same thing, right? Uh, smart guys, guys that are disciplined. They're never going to give up. All the all this stuff you're going to hear about them. The reason you always hear it is because it's true. They do. They compete. They don't roll over. They always play hard. Um, and, and I always think that what you're going to see from them is supreme effort, nice uh, a nice understanding of what it is that they're trying to do, okay, and, and so-so athleticism, okay? Uh, sounds like what people say about BYU, Typically, okay. Uh, I I think that they are, are pretty good. I think you, especially Navy. Navy has been re- really solid for for so long. I mean, a couple of years ago they had a really bad year, but uh, g- generally speaking, Navy is always right in the mix um, of 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 being a team where you go, man. If if you're not ready to go, if you're not ready to play, you're gonna have a long day on Saturday, right? So I, I just think that that's, that's the way that we, you have to think about that, the, the Navy defense. But, the, the, again, the guy, the key guy for them, the guy that will be in on lots of tackles and uh, really stood out for me uh, <clears throat> as he returns this season, Diego Fago. All right? It's a really strong player. Really strong player. And I think that, I think that he's going to make his presence uh, really felt. In this game. All right, let's talk about the, uh, the the BYU defense. And I actually thought that looking at the depth chart, 
gave me a lot of information about what is going through the minds uh, of the BYU defensive coordinator and of Kalani Satake. They have made no secret that Kalani Satake has got his hands more in on what's going on than, than in previous years. That He's trying to help out Elisa Tuiaki since the Cougar defense has become... Uh, it's slowly getting worse in its national ratings every single year. And so I guess Kalani is, is doing more to insert himself on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. <sighs> Let's do depth chart. Actually, I'll, I'll just say this. Elisa Tuyaki, we know what his approach has been. Right? Rush three, drop eight. <laughs> do not let them beat you over the top. Do not let them uh, have big chunk yardage plays. And try to make their life as difficult as possible because, again, even Navy, it's really hard to put together a 10-play drive. It's really hard to put together a 10-play drive that takes you four or five minutes. And, and you know, if, if you require teams to have to execute play after play after play after play, eventually they'll shoot themselves in the foot or your defense will make a play. Or something good is going to happen and then they're going to have to punt or they're going to be, you know, go for it on fourth down or they're going to turn it over, you know, so or, or, or you're going to limit them to three points. That, that's the philosophy. The problem is, is when you play a team like Navy, right, you can't do a, well, we, we got to be afraid of getting beat over the top and you can't really drop back because they're so quick at getting to the line of scrimmage and getting up field that you have to be able to, to come forward and to come in instead of, instead of come back and keep things in front of you. You actually have to meet the action by, by stepping forward. This is a drastically different thing for Elisa Tuyaki and, and his principles that he has operated his defense with so he got asked the question have you had experience defending the triple option attack his answer and this is a direct quote i've had zero and then he saw the looks on the faces of the reporters and then he said yep next question they've asked several of the other uh, they asked um, Kairos Tonga if he has any experience defending the triple. He said he's never played against it ever. Okay. And so it is it is an interesting thing that there's a lack of experience um, as, as it comes to it. They then asked Kalani Satake about it. And he said that he has faced it in the past. Uh, the University of Utah had a game against Air Force. They limited Air Force to 16 points in 2009. They played Air Force again in 2010, okay, and, and limited them to 23 points, okay, and uh, and then they stopped playing them. So when you go back through their system, yeah, he's he's taken it on a couple times. <laughs> All right, so 
there is at least some experience somewhere in there, but Elisa Tuiaki has no experience against it, and he's been very upfront about that. Kalani too. Okay, so let's go through. What does the BYU defense look like? So you have two defensive ends, and I thought that this was pretty interesting. So on the the Cougars typically have played a four three defense uh, with Elisa Tuiaki. So Zach Daw is going to be a defensive end, six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound defensive end. Okay, big fella, wrestler, tough guy, senior. Interesting player. We know about Kyrus Tonga, right? Senior, six foot four, three hundred and forty pound nose tackle. Yeah, sure. Okay. Other defensive tackle, starter, Brackenell Bakery. Then the the third person that's been listed as subbing in at either spot is going to be Lorenzo Faltea. So you got Brackenell Bakery, Tonga, Lorenzo Faltea. <clears throat> They're going to be the interior defensive linemen. We'll talk about their role in this game shortly. Zach Daw and Alden Tofa. Alden Tofa. Uh, Tofa wears number 57. He's going to be the other defensive end. And six foot four, 260 pounds. Uh, he's got more of the frame. Zach Daw is a little bit beefier than what you normally see out of defensive end. Alden Tofa has got a more traditional build, okay? More traditional build there. Okay, and then the real kind of interesting part. Actually, let's go to the, let's go to the secondary. It'll become clear why I did that in just a second. The secondary then, at strong safety, Troy Warner is going to be strong safety this year. He's moved from corner to safety. That kind of happened last year. He's hurt a lot of last year, but he is a senior this year. It's his final season. Strong safety. Free safety, it's going to be Zane Anderson, six foot two, 200-pound senior, wearing number 23. He'll be the free safety. And then on the left side, the cornerback is going to be Chris Wilcox, uh, very talented senior, six foot two, 195. He was a track star in high school. We've seen a lot of Chris Wilcox, uh, effective when healthy. And on the right corner, the guy that went it, won it out, on his own, Keenan Ellis, number 25, six foot tall, 181. He's a junior. Uh, backing him up is D'Angelo Mandel. So Mandel doesn't win the starting spot, but I'm certain we will see uh, D'Angelo Mandel this year. Hayden Livingston is the backup for Chris Wilcox, just as a point of interest. I do think you're mostly going to see Troy Warner and Zane Anderson that's why I did not cover their backups. In nickel formations, they have listed Kavika Fanua as the man to cover <laughs> as a nickel. So fifth, their fifth defensive back, they're going with Kavika Fanua. Uh, and then Shimon Willis is the backup there. I'm, I'm excited to see Shimon Willis. He's a, uh, a transfer in. He's Jamal Willis's boy. Uh, I think he can play. 5'10", 180. Okay, let's talk linebackers. And this is why, this is what kind of perked me up and made me kind of interested about what the heck is going on here. They listed the linebackers under five different positions. Okay, the Cougars' defensive depth chart features 14 positions. <laughs> I, I, last I checked, last I checked, 
They do not allow you to field 14 players on defense. Uh, I think you're only allowed 11. But the depth chart shows 14 different positions. So that, that'll be interesting. Look, these are uh, these are how they're defining them. Jack, Mike, Rover, Flash, Cinco. Okay? Jack, Mike, Rover, Flash, Cinco. Okay. Let's cover what I think that these things mean. I'm pretty confident about what these things mean and what, what they're being listed as. And uh, I'll give a couple couple extra insights for you at the end. Um, so, so there's two spots that I think you're going to see between – so Mike is, is the most clear, okay? Mike, Mike linebacker is middle linebacker. It's real clear. The guy that they have lining up at middle linebacker is going to be number 41, Keenan Peely. Uh, so Keenan Peely is going to be middle linebacker. It's interesting to see him win that. Uh, I think that that's, a, that's an interesting development. I thought Kavika Fanua would for sure be one of the starters in the main point. Nope, they've put, got him out as a nickel guy, uh, and he's uh, lost the starting job to Keenan Peely. So uh, congratulations to Keenan Peely on being the starting middle linebacker. Okay, let's talk. What's Jack? What's Rover? What's Flash? What's Cinco? Jack and Rover, I believe, are similar uh, similar roles. Jack and Rover, I believe, are going to be used. It just it depends on weak side or strong side. Jack and Rover will be linebackers that can play weak side. Out, so outside on the weak side. Um, or, or they can step up and be on the on the like as a will linebacker or they can step up and fill in on the defensive line in like a monster package okay so you you would potentially line this person up where the defensive end is and then maybe bench the defensive end on that play that gives you the opportunity to have a little bit more speed on the defensive line and on the edges um and so Here's who they have listed as the Jack. They have it as Max Tooley, all right, or Tanuvasa. And I, I was surprised to see that Max Tooley hadn't just claimed that on his own. I thought Max Tooley was one of the breakout players last year. I, I really thought he was a, a fine a fine player last year. Um, but uh, Max Tooley is at the top of the list, so we'll, we'll just go with him. Max Tooley is a Jack linebacker, I believe, that means they're going to use him sometimes. They're going to look at him to put his hand in the ground and go to war on the defensive line, and then sometimes play as as a as a linebacker. So you're going to kind of look at these Jack linebackers as pass rushing specialists. So Max Tooley, uh, Pepe Tanuvasa, okay. They're, they're listed as the two Jack linebackers. So if you see a Jack linebacker in uh, and they're on the defensive line, maybe we're looking at a, a passing down situation. And, and we want a little more speed to try to get to, try to, get to the, the quarterback. May, maybe that's where you're going to see that employed. Uh, and we'll talk more about where, this, where else this could be employed as well. The Rover linebacker is just... I think it's the same as the Jack. It's the same responsibility. These are guys that are sometimes going to play defensive end 
or play outside linebacker. It's just the other side. I, I don't know if Jack is going to be weak or strong and Rover is going to be weak or strong. I, I don't know. But I do know that I, I, I do think at least that what they're what the plan with the Rover is that they're going to make this be a defensive end slash slash linebacker uh, kind of position. Uh, so the Rover position is Isaiah Kafusi. All right. 53, uh, pretty good player. Uh, so Isaiah Kafusi, sometimes I think you're going to see him line up. I think you're going to see him put his hand in the ground. I do think that sometimes he's going to be coming after the quarterback uh, and, and trying to handle those scenarios. Then they have two other positions that are, that are listed here. They have the Flash and the Cinco, okay? And my thinking with um, the flash position is, is that flash linebacker is what they listed Zane Anderson as last year. And basically, it just functioned as a as a strong side outside linebacker. Um, usually look to do more of the coverage work. Usually going to be called on and relied upon to handle some of the some of the work in coverage scenarios, uh, and in in the past they they've they, that's how, that how they referred to Zane Anderson. They moved him from safety to linebacker. They looked at him to do more coverage um, work from the strong strong side outside linebacker. Okay, that that's that's all I think Flash is. All right. Uh, I don't know why they don't call it a Sam linebacker. I don't know wh why they haven't, you know, fallen into that or what, what, what about flash? Wh why, why? I don't know. Okay. Um, but, but that's going to be Peyton Wilger and Peyton Wilger was the best playmaker last year for, for this defense in terms of changing games with big plays. He's back. Big number 49 uh, is back sophomore year. For Peyton Wilger, he was awesome as a freshman. Uh, he's the sort of player that I do think can make a difference and came away with a few interceptions last year and uh, just seemed like a smart, smart, you know, nose for the football kind of linebacker. Okay, so flash linebacker, going to be more coverage-based, not going to be looked to to kind of come at the quarterback as much. But I think that we'll we'll be more responsible for lining right up behind the defensive ends, and, and then going to work from there. I, I think it's not gonna it's gonna be just a linebacker, all right. Uh, but more maybe more coverage. Then the last one. This is the one that's uh, kind of really unique. Cinco, the Cinco linebacker. They have listed as Chaz Ayu. Okay, so Cinco. The first thing I had the thought on that was it, it is. Does the Cinco only play in games where, or, or you know, is it obviously five, right? Cinco. So it, the fifth linebacker on the field. So do you put him in when there's, when you're going to go four, five in your lineup and maybe have a, like kind of a four, five defense. And if you're going to go, you know, four, five with two corners playing single on, on the outside, you know, you, you might be able to do that if uh, if you do like a maybe a four five lineup. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of an interesting one, right? What what if you 
set it up so that you you do like a jack and a rover and they come in for Zach Daw at defensive end and Alden Tofa. So if they sit out, you have two, you know, you have the jack and the rover and they're playing defensive end. Is that only when you see Cinco? Well, certainly Chaz Ayu is the kind of player that you don't only want to be on the field for for scenarios where he, where he's the fifth linebacker out there. That that just doesn't seem like the the correct use of a talent like Chaz Ayu. So we started talking about this a little bit. I had a conversation with Brett Hine, who uh, contributes sometimes to Vanquish the Foe. More more particularly, he is the Weber State beat writer for the uh, Ogden Standard Examiner newspaper. Uh, he's a great guy, and and Brett got telling me that the only other place he's ever seen Cinco listed for linebackers is at Weber State. That Weber State has used a formation, uh, a Cinco formation, uh, when when they have played triple option teams down in FCS. So every year, Cal Poly always runs the triple option. Uh, when they were in the playoffs, they had a game against Kennesaw State. And they, they defended the triple option. And in those scenarios, suddenly the depth chart had this distinction of Cinco. So someone at BYU has been talking to Jay Hill. That is the assumption uh, that I'm making. And uh, since there are a few connections between that Weber State coaching staff and the BYU coaching staff, I think it's totally, totally reasonable and and it's the thing that makes the most sense to me here's what weber state did against the against the option is they mostly turned in kind of a 4-4 look and then dropped dropped the strong safety and replaced the strong safety with the cinco linebacker so instead of troy warner lining back up there you have chaz ayu and Chaz Ayu is responsible for keeping things in front of him. And so Cinco is sort of this, this fusion position where sometimes you're going to have to play linebacker. Sometimes you're going to have to play safety. And even sometimes you might have to play a little cornerback. And that's taking from some of the quotes that, that Kalani Satake ha- has given him. So Chaz Ayu is going to be in a position where he's basically lining up and we're hoping that that from his work he can be the real confusion point for the navy offense cuz they're going to move him all over the place and sometimes it's going to act like a cornerback and then they're going to have a cornerback fill in <laughs> where he would go and then sometimes he's going to act like a safety and they're going to bring in Zane Anderson for the move right or they're gonna, or they're gonna swap spots with Troy Warner if they line up that way, and Chaz Ayu is gonna be kind of required to know all the roles and and movements that the safety is supposed to do on that play, or or what the corner is supposed to do. But he's gonna be this interchangeable point, so that when it comes to their gap assignments and and figuring out who's going to be lined up with a certain player when you're defending that triple option. That all is gonna get kind of tooled around and messed with, uh, and the the cog to that is this Cinco position. You, you take your best athlete on the defensive side of the board, 
and and defense side of the ball and and you try to put them in a position to really confuse and and get and get things kind of out of place in the mind of the of of the navy offense of that quarterback who's you know trying to make things run for that triple option so that number 3 Chaz Ayu is going to be key in the adjustments that the defense makes because he is the confusion point. I'm telling you that that is the game plan here is that they, as they take a look at it, they're going to use these five different positions, Jack, Mike, Rover, Flash, Cinco. And what they're going to do is is line them up in different places all throughout the game. And they're just going to try to do enough to make it so that if you can confuse one or two people, a play gets blown up, right? And so continuing to alter and change things as they go around. So the defensive depth chart (laughs) makes it very clear, very clear that they are thinking about Navy with this depth chart. They're thinking about Army in the following game on this depth chart. And this is clearly a distinction for, for how they want to try to handle defending uh, against the triple option. I, I think that that is really kind of a fascinating thing for me to think about as it relates to handling Navy's triple option offense is the that was the that was the moment for me where I went, okay, so that's the game plan. <laughs> this is what they're trying to do. And when I had that conversation with Brett Hine of the Ogden Standard Examiner, um, it was it was a moment where I went, okay, all right. So that's that's what they're trying to look at, and that's why they've made some of these <clears throat> some of these distinctions. Okay, all right. So hopefully that will help. That helps kind of put into place a couple things. So here here are my thoughts about what you have to do to stop the triple option. I, I actually read. Uh, I read a little pamphlet. I've been I've been trying to learn what I can about the triple option as much as I can uh, to kind of to kind of get everything done. Look, the the first thing Navy wants to do is div- dive. Okay, they want to one hundred percent come straight up the gut at you, and if if you can't handle the straight up the gut stuff from Navy, you are toast. It is all over. So step one, control the middle of the line of scrimmage. That's part one of trying to of trying to stop the triple option. So we look at this, right? We're back to Kairos Tonga handling his business. Pay attention to what happens on downs where he's in and when he's not in. He's not an every down guy up the middle. He's a playmaker. He's a big difference maker up that middle. But on that A gap right in the middle of the freaking line, you know, and I'll be curious to see if there's a difference between Tonga uh, when he's on and when he's off. <clears throat> El Bakri, Fautea. They've got to the handle and control the middle of the line of scrimmage. That's part one. Part two then, <clears throat> because look, that's, that's option one. If they can take a fullback and just hammer it right up the gut with a fullback, okay, that's what they want to do. Last year, Fullbacks dominated much of their uh, much of uh, their offense. Their fullbacks gained over a thousand yards rushing and scored over fifteen touchdowns. Uh, that is 
That is wild. Okay. <laughs> that is, and those guys, their, their job is just to kind of head up right, right down the alley, right up the middle. Okay. But then there's part two, which is defending the B gap. And this is where things get <clears throat> really confusing as you take on a triple option offense. Okay. Basically what happens is when the offense snaps the football, the quarterback wants to be the person who makes the read, okay? And their main read, their first read is, what does the defensive end do? Well, the defensive end typically wants to read the left tackle or the right tackle, depending on what side the play is going towards. And when you make your reads there, <laughs> if, if it's a pinch inward or if it goes to the outside, you have an idea of which direction the option wants to go. If the tackle is trying to push to the outside, you've got to blow him up and you've got to push him inside and you want to scrape towards the middle of the line of scrimmage. That is your job as a defensive end. Okay. If he tries to get outside leverage on you and push you towards the middle, you know that we're looking at pitch. Okay, when he pushes you to the outside as a defensive end, your job then is to try to scrape away, okay? Allow him to push you that way, scrape away, and try to take out the inside position, okay? And cover the inside runs by the quarterback. When this happens, the linebacker behind you has to fill in and fill that middle gap and hit the running back that comes through. Because, look, every play, you know, there's going to be a lot of people getting tackled that do not have the football. Your job is to always, always, always keep those people honest. Stick with it. Don't get out leveraged. Just continue to come in. Crack them and continue to take care of all the people that you're supposed to do and make sure that you have things nice and clear and set up that way. So linebackers react to what's happening with the defensive linemen. So those outside linebackers. So it'll be real interesting to see what they do. Part of the thinking that I have is that Zach Daw, to me, seems like, a really nice target to run a triple offense at triple option offense at. Um, he seems he's strong to be sure he competes to be sure. Okay. He grabs shoes and he throws them. Zach Daw. Okay. Is a tough guy, but I worry about his mobility. I worry about his athleticism. Um, I do think that he can do enough to, to be tough and physical in the game. I just, have a little bit of concern of of his ability to try to handle and deal with Navy's quarterbacks or, or getting his arm out and grabbing a running back who's trying to cover a gap or trying to cover the you know an inside run um, and, and kind of scrape to the outside and, and and really it's about lateral lateral movement okay it's a read reaction lateral movement and so the question is the question is and this is why it's tough, is the offensive tackle pushes you to the outside. You've got to start trying to blow up towards the middle 
if he pushes you towards the inside, you got to start trying to blow up the offensive tackle and get to the outside. Um, and and then the linebacker behind you covers the area that you're not going to, if that makes sense. So if you're trying to, if you're a defensive end, you're trying to go to the outside. Linebacker behind you needs to cover the B gap between the tackle and the guard. They need to be the one that comes in, hits that hard, and makes the stop. Conversely, if if they're trying to push the outside, you as defensive end now have to be the person that comes up and, and tries to close into that B gap and slow things down there and trip them up and get some arms an arm in. Okay, and hopefully your middle linebacker, because you've dominated the middle line line of scrimmage, that at this point you've got a little bit of support behind you with Keenan Peely, right? Um, if you're going to the outside, hopefully Peyton Wilger is going to fill in for you, okay? Hopefully you're going to have uh, maybe Isaiah Kafusi is lined up at linebacker that down, and so he's going to fill in. What, whatever the case is, those things, that communication, that understanding of the movement, reacting to what's going on, and then knowing what your assignment is in a split second and coming in and blowing it up, that is that is the that is the real key, and because they don't move the ball back, it's not this big, you know, run the football back six yards, hand it off, let them get six yards, and have more steam coming forward. Like it is instantly moving you and trying to get the ball across that line of scrimmage and just go. Um, certainly, there is a little bit of play development, but you, when you talk about like a patient run, run running attack and these running backs are so patient and work it and and then they run and they get you some yards that's not really what the triple option is designed to do it's the same way when you think about west coast offenses and how the passing routes are supposed to be in time and they're supposed to just be a timing to it snap take a three-step drop plant your back foot and fire okay that is what we're looking at the a triple option is is not, is a really a rhythm running game and there's just kind of a, a flow to it that takes place. And so the the defense is going to have to be so smart and so clear with what their assignments are as they go along. And that has to be so coached up and so confident. Um, it's just it's so, so important. So step one, control the middle of the line of scrimmage. Step two, control the B gap. And that happens with that interchange of the defensive end and the linebacker. And this is why I think you might see these linebackers who are in the the rover or the jack linebacker. I think you might see them play on the defensive uh, line as a defensive end, lining up in that spot, just because you might like their athleticism and their ability to kind of read and react quicker and get to the spot that you need them to get to. You might like that a little bit better than what you might get out of Tofa or, or Zach Daw. So we, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, but I do think you're going to see that in different spots. And I certainly think that they'll line it up to try to mix things up because Navy's, Navy's really excellent at in-game adjustments. They're really good at seeing, okay, this is how they're trying to handle that. And then as soon as they know what your tendencies are, they're really good at making the little littlest little adjustments – and making so many of them throughout the game that you also have to be ready to adjust. And so 
it is a hopeful thing to see that they have that Cinco position, that they have these linebackers like who are called Jack and Rover, and they're going to be playing multiple positions. And, and you're seeing um, you're seeing that uh, at playing in, in those roles, and and you're going to even see you know your traditional strong side, the flash linebacker. He may even drop back and maybe have the safety fill in for him. I, I think they're going to do a lot to try to confuse on those things. And then the the other traditional thinking is, look, if you get beat in up the middle with the fullbacks or if you get beat between the tackles, you are really, really, really going to get absolutely killed. Okay? If you can't control that, they are going to move the football and they are going to score a lot of points. So that that is that is really what it is. But typically speaking, you're doing well against Navy's offense if you force them further to the outside. So the first thing they want to do is dive up the middle. If you can take away the dive, that's a win. Now, the next thing you want to do is get the ball upfield, right? Because the quicker you get upfield, the quicker you're getting yards in the bank. Okay, and if you pitch backwards, now, now you're risking fumble. There's all, uh, you know, you don't want to do that. So the next thing is get that, get the ball carrier, the quarterback, or whoever the ball snapped to. Now they want to get up the field, okay? And then the last one is if they can work it outside and pitch. Now you've done everything you can to try to, to fill in and force it more time for the play to develop, which, again, gives you more time to rally to the football, more time for everyone to kind of read and react with the pitches. There's more opportunity for turnovers. There's good things could potentially happen on all of those things. Okay. Another thing, as I look at the defensive line, it'll be real interesting to see um, what happens if, if the Cougars try to put, you know, these, these linebackers who aren't used to maybe playing in the trenches very much. Navy's really good at cut blocks, man. <laughs> they're awesome at it. Uh, it's it's a great strategy. It's something that 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 isn't really employed a whole lot, even though they're so effective. And and the thing that's so fun um, about cut blocks, I mean, the Navy doesn't do it on every single play, like like some think, but they do cut. They do them, and you know they jump into. And the whole point is, is it has a huge impact on the game handling the cut blocks by the people up front and the defensive linemen by the linebackers that they, by the front, it's going to be vital to the success um, <clears throat> of defending the option because I, I was watching a game against Tulane. That was one of the games that was available. Tulane was playing uh, Navy and as the game went by, you could see that the cut blocks were starting to get into the heads of that defense defensive front for for Tulane, they started to widen out uh, even further, and they lined up off the ball, and they kept getting further and further back off the ball because they didn't want somebody coming in and cutting <laughs> cutting out their legs. It's not fun to get cut blocked, right? So you have to understand what that technique is. You got to figure out how to handle it physically. And then you need to know how to get off of it and go and go. Uh, Navy is undersized in, in some ways, you know, they're, they're overmatched athletically. Uh, that can be the case. 
and 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 so they throw these cut blocks at you to kind of put you off your your rhythm and and take you out of your comfort zones they're legal they don't do they it's not chop blocking they're, they they do good job with these cut blocks and you're going to see you're going to see that if the cougars have a hard time with them there there will be a couple players who aren't going to like it at all for good reason and the question is is can you stick with it can you keep your head in can you continue to lean up <clears throat> lean into the challenge and, and fight uh, against this tactic uh, throughout the game even if it gets irritating to kind of deal with and, and the other part is, is is you can't let them be effective with your chart with the cut blocks like it, you know Kairos Tonga is a big big guy but if somebody dives at his legs and takes him down you know with a cut block like the middle is now open so their technique and being able to beat those cut blocks gonna be absolutely huge for the defense so that middle of the line of scrimmage so so important you you like Kairos Tonga and what he can do but again he's already limited because he doesn't play every single down um then they have techniques to deal with big, tough <laughs> interior linemen like 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 Kyrus Tonga. So it'll be it'll be real interesting to see. And then of course the last part is is you know we've got a guy who in Ken Niamatololo with his option offense since he's been head coach at Navy the worst they've ever finished in rushing nationally with their rushing attack has been sixth. Last year, they had the nation's number one rushing offense. And I know, again, part of that is scheme. But, hey, look, the scheme works. And part of it is how much they run. But you would, too. Last year, okay, they were fourth. It's not just that they run a lot. They were fourth nationally in yards per carry. They, they got over six yards per run. So if you're gaining six yards per run and almost 12 yards per attempt passing, wow. You got an offense that can score you a lot of points, right? Um, and I think I think that the, the, this offense that they have is definitely going to score some points against the BYU defense. He's a master at it. Niamatololo is a total master at it. And the other part is is that this is the part that that I think people underestimate a lot about what 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 Ken Niamatololo's offense does. They know how to sit on the football. They know how to move the chains. They know how to keep the ball out of your hands. Navy is 82-5. and five. That's 94.3% victory rate. 82-5 and five when they enter the fourth quarter with the lead. So, that to me is immensely, immensely important when you think about what what goes on with coach Ken by the way when they're trailing going this we talked about lead score early score often right when they're trailing under Ken Niamatololo it, it gets quite a bit worse he's 15 and 25 in his career when they're trailing enter the fourth quarter now I think most coaches have a losing record like that but the difference is immense 82 and 5 win percentage when they're leading enter the fourth quarter. Okay. And they are 15, 15 and 25 when trailing. Okay. Interesting. Um, the, uh, the other part is, is uh, when they score first 
when Navy scores first and are in control and can kind of handle the game. They're uh, 63 and 13 when they score first. Okay, 63 and 13 when scoring the football first. And again, to to kind of do the the inverse of that, they're 35 and 17 when they do not score first. So your opportunity to beat Navy gets immensely larger if you're the first punch. If you can score first, if you can have the first salvo in the matchup, your opportunity to beat the midshipmen increase significantly. Look, let's give some love to our to our brother, Ken Niamatololo. Okay, a couple things. A couple things on his career. 98 and 30 in his career. That's a pretty good win percentage, especially at a place like Navy, which a lot of people think is, first of all, all the challenges of recruiting and all the all the things that you hear about Navy. To be able to win that consistently that much, really, really something. Look, in the 117 seasons that the, the midshipmen program has been without Ken Niamatololo, they posted a 55.55% win percentage, okay? They won five commander-in-chief trophies. They made it to the bowl game eight times, and they won three bowl games, all right? And Navy had a losing record in uh, games against other service academies and all the time without Ken Niamatololo with him. With him, their win record is uh, uh, at 60%. They've won 11 Commander-in-Chief trophies. That's uh, more than double what they had won in the 117 previous seasons. Okay, 11 Commander-in-Chief trophies. They've gone to 16 bowl games, double that of what they've had before. They've won nine bowl games, all right, which is incredible, nine they had only won three in the entire school history, so they tripled that output under Niamatololo. And they have been the outright champion of the AAC West Division three of its five years being in that league. And maybe most importantly, to the Navy. They are 29-15 and 15 in Service Academy games with Niamatololo on the catching sta- coaching staff. And they've won 27 of the last 35 Academy games. So, big deal. He's the winningest coach in Army-Navy game history. So, uh, obviously, what what Coach Ken has done at Navy is super-duper impressive. He's the longest-tenured coach in the history of that program. And uh, he's had some tremendous, tremendous seasons um, with it. So, are you a little scared? Because here's the other part. Ken Niamatololo, he kind of definitely has a lot of personal reasons why he'd want to win this football game. If rumors are to be believed, and I would say this one should be, it was the understanding of most of Cougar Nation that Coach Ken Niamatololo was to be the new head coach at Brigham Young University in 2016 when Bronco Mendenhall left to go coach at Virginia. He was in line. It was who the brethren were most excited about. And the understanding 
of this scenario is that it was Tom Homo who said, you can come, but you can't run the triple option. That message was given to Coach Ken, which again, (laughs) he's been successful with it. What's the point of hiring him if you don't let him do the thing that he sort of made his career out of being awesome at? Anyway, they went a different direction because he was like, well, why are you bringing me in if you don't want me to do the thing that I do? Really fair question. I think he'd like to be able to show BYU what a triple option offense is capable of. Not that... Not that it isn't the case that every team BYU plays would like to beat BYU, but I do always think when there's a little extra pepper like that in some in some scenarios, I do find that to be interesting. I do feel like uh, when people have something to prove and they're as good and as proven as Coach Ken is, that makes me worried, nervous. But we will see. We will see. The good news is that the servicemen on the field are going to have to beat BYU. It can't just be the guy on the sideline, though. I do like the master of the triple option. (laughs) I do like his chances against somebody who's never seen it before. (laughs) That, That puts a chill down my spine when I think about BYU's prospects potentially defending this thing. Um, Okay, look. Who who is Navy and what are they going to show? The hope point, the good news for for BYU as they enter this game is that most of the uh, production from last year's team is not back. Malcolm Perry, the talented quarterback last year, uh, who who was really uh, really solid, really good. Last year, Malcolm Perry, he is gone. He's not there. Nelson Smith, um, one of the main running backs for the uh, for the midshipmen, he is also gone. So in their place, you're going to see Dallin Morris, senior from Huntsville, Alabama. He'll be wearing number eight, making his debut. His debut uh, out there. He's he, he's got two. Rushing attempts last season, um, and he had two rushing attempts in 2018. Uh, He hasn't thrown a single pass, despite being a senior, has not thrown a single pass in any game in his collegiate football career. He's got four rushes. He will be under center and will be relied on to be the decision maker for the midshipmen. That is a massive question mark. And you're going against a relatively experienced defense, although inexperienced against this particular offensive set. Even still, uh, could be a lot of confusion. I don't really suppose that they will look to many. They weren't going to look to many passes anyway. Uh, Maybe there will be even less passes again. Going to be huge. Get out in front. Get out in front of these guys. And uh, I think you're going to be in a good spot. If you allow the game to go on further, I really like the ability for Navy to make some adjustments along the way and score enough points to come away with a win. Hard-fought win. Um, possible. But if you put it away, if you can come out and execute at the beginning, going to be huge. So Dallin Morris making his debut at quarterback. Uh, 
<laughs> big, big question mark for the midshipmen. Their most experienced, productive player returning. He's the fullback, Jamal Carruthers. Uh, bruiser, five foot nine. He's a little bruiser, though. 203 pounds. Uh, Jamal Carruthers last year averaged 6.6 yards per carry. He had 14 t- uh, touchdowns. He had four catches. Four catches. And he gained 105 yards. That's 26.3 yards per catch. <laughs> and and he took it into the end zone twice. So 50% of his catches were touchdowns. So uh, a pretty productive season, really productive season in terms of putting the ball in the end zone. 16 touchdowns is no small feat. So <clears throat> I do think you're going to see a lot of Jamal Carruthers. But again, as a fullback, as the guy trying to dive up the middle, little 34 coming up the middle. And when I say fullback, we're talking about triple option fullback. We're not looking at necessarily uh, lead blocker type stuff. He takes a beating throughout the game. and He's sturdy back. But um, what you're going to see is Jamal Carruthers, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's the one that is returning that, that has to kind of produce for them. And, and he'll be important. Um, and then uh, others guy, other guys like Miles Fells is back. He's got some experience, only 18 carries, but he got over seven yards per carry. He is now starting. He'll be in his first opportunity um, to try to produce for the midshipmen. And then again, another unproven player, CJ Williams uh, comes in. He's going to play and uh, does not have. Um, a whole lot in the bank. He has been uh, in the past. He's attempted some some passes for <clears throat> for Navy, but has not necessarily been uh, a massive uh, rushing threat. Has not been looked to to do a whole lot um, as it relates to that. But he's a senior. It's his time to shine. We will see. They kind of have used him as like maybe a trick play guy. Um, from what I'm seeing here is that he, he's caught passes for touchdowns. He's thrown passes for touchdowns. Okay. And he's, and he's run for some touchdowns. So, uh, someone, someone as well to kind of think about their, their receivers are steady. They're fine. Like we said, uh, nice, big, tall receiver, Michael Cooper. He wears number three, six foot five, 221 pounds. Again, though, really relies on and, and benefits from the the surprise of, oh my gosh, they're throwing this time. Um, but he, again, he will hurt you if you're not ready and you're not ready to go and you're not on it. You, you can get, get beat. But in terms of production, in terms of what they're returning, in terms of what comes back to this team, from the skill position standpoint, Largely unproven except for Jamal Carruthers. And, and Carruthers had a monster year. Don't don't get me wrong. He, he had a monster year. Um, his second best player on the team last year. But but every other spot, and the quarterback is the big the big key here. They they are very unproven in this spot. Now the good news for Navy is, is that their offensive line is full of guys with lots of experience. Okay. Seniors all the way across, except for the, the left tackle, uh, who is a junior, but he was the starter last year as well. So they 
are uh, in a really good spot, really good spot with their offensive line experience. These guys have all played a lot of games, uh, according to the media guide for Navy. So I, uh, <clears throat> I, 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 I have to tell you, I think that the this is probably, as you look at the schedule, uh, sometimes Houston has a pretty good team. I would say that this is the challenge of the season. I think that playing Navy is going to be the most difficult game that the Cougars have on their schedule. I think that it provides the most challenges defensively. I think that the uh, what what they have done year in and year out at the Naval Academy has been completely um, respectable and uh, should should be totally totally a, a team that that BYU fans respect <clears throat> and and see not just because of their military stuff but because of what they do as a football team they they have been extremely effective on the football field they win more than they lose they they are a very very difficult team to to deal with and they're underrated defensively and i i just think that you're going to see you're going to see uh, a, a really, really good test. We'll know right away uh, what we have. You know, they're, they're, they're underrated defensively, but if we can't do a ton against this defense, I do think it's, it's worrying. At the same time, you know, we're, we're kind of the same offense as last year, except for worse because there's no Aleva Hifo and there's no Matt Bushman. <laughs> So, who got better? In what ways have we become a better offensive football team? Hopefully, you know, the, the main thing is, is red zone. All right, and then we'll talk about the last part. It's the part that probably uh, gets undercovered a little bit, but uh, last year Jake Olroyd made two out of three kicks. The punter for the Cougars this year is going to be Ryan Rakow, so we'll see his... Leg six foot five, two forty, big fella, uh, going to be kicking the football. Jake Oldroyd, again in there doing the place kicking, and uh, Navy has a kicker who's back who kicked seventy percent last year and missed one extra point in their twenty nineteen campaign. So, uh, yeah, look, as we, <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily groundbreaking here, but look. Number one key of the game, score early, score often. Try to try to put Navy in a position where, A, they've got these inexperienced guys that need to get that out there and they need to execute. It's the first game of the season. Maybe they're going to get called on penalties. Maybe the, you can you know halt them early in the game as they get some of the, the bugs out and the jitters and, and everything else. If you can come out there and execute right away, I really think you win the game if you win the first quarter. Really do. Especially if they win it decisively, if they're if they're up 10, 14 points after the first quarter, I think the Cougars definitely going to win. Usually the case anyway, but again against a team like Navy, um, certainly. I think that it's exciting to see that they have these five distinctions at linebacker. Uh, this is going to require. Look, you've got to be organized defensively. You got to be disciplined. You got to have diverse. Uh, looks that come all over the place and kind of change and and make it so that Navy's uh, 
you know, the way that they're looking at the field always looks a little bit different and a little bit confusing. I think, again, with a, a quarterback kind of making his first go of it, maybe that can really facilitate um, some some disruptive defensive playmaking, uh, take care of the interior part of the line of scrimmage, handle cut blocks, do not allow yourself to get intimidated by that, continue to line up where you're, you know, where you're in a spot to really uh, affect the game. Do not, do not let it get into your head, those cut blocks. And then, uh, of course, hey, look, you know, this is nothing game-breaking to say. Let's get as many third and longs as possible. But if you can win on first down, win on second down, this is the way it goes. Now, I'm going to say this. These guys run for like 300 yards a game. <laughs> That's what they did last year. They ran for six yards a carry. Is Navy going to be successful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the deal when you play a, a triple option team is you have to accept that it's attrition. <clears throat> it's a process of continuing to fight and to continuing to stick in and continue to work your way at it and try to deal with the new problems that, that show up all the time as they add different little wrinkles or you know when a wide receiver decides to get involved in it or when your pre-stab motion happens, you know, and you, you're going to have to make different reads at different times and different adjustments. And those things are all going to have to happen. And if you're not perfectly communicating along the way, the holes are going to be made. And 14-yard and gains are going to happen on a toss play, you know, to the fullback. And, you know, it's going to happen because <clears throat> they're Navy. They're going to make some plays. Like, it's not going to be flawless here. They're going to be successful. BYU had a really bad rush defense last year. Like, do not forget, like, the Cougars were 78th in the country last year. They gave up 167 yards per game, right? Like, Navy's going to rush for 300 yards in this game. <laughs> like, they're going to be darn near close to 300 yards. So, you know, you unless BYU plays really great, right? But I, I would just think that they, uh, the Cougars, they're just going to have to do their, their best. Fans, just everything that we need to do is just remember, it's the first game of the year, there's going to be penalties, and Navy's going to be successful. They also want to win the game. They're also very talented. Uh, I, I see this as a uh, – <clears throat> I honestly see this as a dogfight game. I think it's not going to be uh, – I'd be surprised if it was a blowout. I think that that if it were to be a blowout, I actually think BYU is the more likely team to to run away in this game potentially. Uh, but, again, it's all predicated on, on kind of the mysteries around the BYU offense. Um, so there there you go. I, I – I, the, the – uh, the one other thing that makes me worried about this game, the one defensive, or sorry, the one unit for either team, the one unit that's going to feel the most comfortable in the game with the most experience and and all that, it, it's going to be Navy's defense. Like Navy's defense kind of is, they're doing the same thing. They've seen teams like BYU there's no like massively new, you know, concepts. There's no learning curves. 
And then you look on the other side. So I, I think Navy's defense is going to feel a little more comfortable just because BYU's offense, you know, has has not really been a red. I mean, you say they're experienced. Yeah, I mean, that's most of the guys have played and they've been back. These are faces that we've seen before. But, you know, it's not like we're lighting up the scoreboard. It's not like we're just this unstoppable train that scores, <laughs> you know. It's not like you win the kick. You win the the coin toss, and you say, "Oh, we want the ball first because we're going to put them behind." <laughs> like you don't trust us to be that sort of team, right? So I just think it's going to be it's going to be a fascinating thing. I, I I see the Navy defense being more comfortable. I see the Navy offense being a little more comfortable, but they're so inexperienced. But again, their inexperience versus BYU's inexperience. I mean, Elias Tuaki has never defended. Never defended against the uh, option. Kalani's faced it twice. Oh. At least Ken Niamatololo has made a life out of running it. <laughs> I worry about it. I worry about it. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. It's 2020. You can't predict a darn thing this season, so I'm not going to do that. I- all I know is, is that I do not think that if we lose this game – it's some massively big indictment on the team. And I do not think if we win this game, it is super meaningful either. I, I think that if you win the game, what it means is that you've got a pretty good team. Navy, in some ways, is a lot like BYU. If you're good enough to beat Navy, you're probably having a good season. Uh, if you lose to Navy, you're probably not having a great season. <laughs> Conversely, BYU kind of is the same thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I expect this to be tremendously close. And I, I think that uh, I, I think that BYU, oh, man, I think that they'll be okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm so worried. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Monday night will be a lot of fun. National television, Labor Day evening. Uh, hang out with everybody and uh, uh, be safe about it, I guess. <laughs> Not I guess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so bad. I apologize. Hey, look. Take the precautions that you need to take. At the very least, you know that you can watch that game. Enjoy the game. And we'll see what we have, right? We'll see what we have, and we'll get ready for, for the following week. But I, I think that the Cougars um, Cougars and the Midshipmen will put on a, an interesting display, and, and we'll move on from there. But uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of CougarCast. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes. And if you want to respond to the show, CougarCast at gmail.com. I invite all of you to read the articles on Vanquish the Foe. Dot com. There's some really good work that's put in there by Robbie McCombs. Definitely want to check that out. Um, and uh, and and I hope all of you are doing really well. Hopefully the football can just take us away from the madness for a little bit. Let me tell you, it's been fun for me to dive into this and, and put my put my efforts and energies into thinking about this sort of stuff. So um, hopefully. Hopefully this helped you uh, get ready for the game. I know that there's a lot of excitement going into this one. Let's see what we have. Go Cougars! And take care of yourselves.